Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey folks, Tom Merritt here. In between creating new episodes, we sometimes have a gap, so we like to release older ones because not everybody's heard all the episodes. This one is about Unicode. We originally released this one December 10th, 2020, and we haven't needed to update anything since that original episode. So begin about Unicode. Mommy, where do emojis come from? Have you ever thought about how we decide which characters go into a font? Is there a secret world cabal ruling over letters? Are they called the letter people? Let's help you know a little more about Unicode. Unicode is a standard for the representation and handling of text. Pretty simple. Any system that respects the Unicode standard supports the same set of characters. Now, they don't always look the same. We'll get into that in a minute. It's maintained by the Unicode Consortium and synchronized with the International Standards Organization's Universal Coded Character Set for IT. So ISO standard is Unicode, which is also a bunch of other acronyms we'll learn about in a minute. The Unicode Consortium itself is a nonprofit organization whose nine full members include Adobe, Apple, Facebook, Google, IBM, Microsoft, Netflix, SAP, and the Ministry of Endowments and Religious Affairs of Oman. That isn't the only membership that matters, though. There's also voting members that get to vote on things, including companies with an interest in text processing standards, and those include the Bangladesh Computer Council, Emojipedia, Monotype Imaging, Tamil Virtual Academy, and the University of California at Berkeley. As of Unicode 13.0, there are 143,859 characters covering 154 modern and historic scripts, symbol sets, and emoji. So you can kind of get why there needs to be one organization overseeing all of that. The idea at one point was, let's just go in and figure out all the characters we need. It turns out we need about 143,859 of them to cover everybody. Now, the reason you even need this is computers just use zeros and ones. So a program decides how to represent characters based on what you tell it the numbers mean. If I write a very important message about the hit musical group ABBA and my software defines A as one and B as zero, but your software defines A as zero and B as one, then I'll write ABBA, but you'll read Bob and have no idea what I'm talking about. So you need a standard. 
The Unicode standard itself is made up of a bunch of charts for visual reference, a set of standards for encoding characters, reference files, and a lot of other stuff like rules for how to display text when it's left to right versus right to left, or even bidirectional like Arabic and Hebrew that has both. One of the earliest, most widely used character sets existed before Unicode. In fact, it was one of the reasons that we got Unicode, and you've probably heard of it, ASCII, A-S-C-I-I. ASCII could be its own episode, but here's the short version. It stands for American Standard Code for Information Interchange. It was first published in 1963 and revised many times until 1986. It defines 128 characters. Now, partly that's because that's the amount of bits you had back then made 128 like the maximum you could really deal with. But that's plenty if you're just dealing with the English language alphabet. It needs 26 uppercase characters, 26 lowercase characters, some punctuation marks, and a slate of control characters for your printers and such. 128 ought to be enough for anybody. Unless you want all the languages besides English, then you're going to need a lot more, hence Unicode. But ASCII's not gone. In 1991, it was incorporated into Unicode as the first 128 symbols of Unicode's UTF-8 encoding set. has the same numeric code in both sets, so UTF-8 is backwards and forwards compatible with ASCII. In fact, the first 256 code points of Unicode were also made identical to the ISO-IEC 8859-1 standard as well. The aim was to make it easy to adopt and that's led to a few quirks. For instance, some essentially identical characters, like the P in the Roman alphabet, which looks exactly like the R in the Cyrillic alphabet, have separate encodings. Uh, this kind of decisions were made to allow easy conversion from legacy encoding to Unicode and back when we were going from everybody having their own standards to trying to get everybody onto one. And, and it worked. But how did Unicode even get started? Well, by the mid-1980s, computer companies had extended ASCII for their own use, so ASCII wasn't even as much of a standard as it should have been. Uh, that was partly because 8-bit and 16-bit computers gave companies more room than they had when ASCII was first invented. Uh, IBM, Microsoft, HP, Apple, and Adobe had all started using different characters beyond the first 128 for things like accented letters or symbols or wanting to include Greek letters, etc., and the advance of computing around the world meant software for other languages had invented their own character sets. And so it was hard to send text between those sets of software. In 1987, Joe Becker from Xerox and Lee Collins and Mark Davis from Apple started looking into creating one universal character set so that everybody could use that and let the software share text easily, no matter what language it was trying to operate in. They investigated three things. Comparisons of fixed-width and mixed-width text access. Now, right off the bat, there's some things like, oh, right, well, this one is fixed-width, but those are mixed-width. Then there was the total system storage requirements with two-byte text. Uh, they were trying to keep it down so it didn't take up those small hard drives back then. And the third one was preliminary character counts for all the world's alphabets. How many characters do we need? Becker also sought input from Xerox's Dave Opstad and Peter Fenwick and published a draft proposal in August 1988 tentatively called Unicode. Hey, guess what? This is one of those examples where the name stuck. Uh, he explained that the name suggested a unique, unified, universal encoding. Nice naming. 
Becker described Unicode as wide-body ASCII, meant to encompass living languages. Future use was prioritized over preserving the past as they started to wrap their heads about how many characters they'd have to include. He suggested that languages not in modern usage were better served by separate registries rather than enlarging this public list. Uh, That usage standard has kept Unicode from including some newly invented scripts like Klingon, but instead Klingon is defined in the private conscript Unicode registry. The Unicode team expanded in 1989 to include people from Research Libraries Group and Sun Microsystems, and in 1990, they added some folks from Microsoft and Next, and on and on and on. It gets bigger from there. A final review draft was finished by the end of 1990, and the Unicode Consortium was incorporated in California on January 3rd, 1991, nonprofit agency, and the first volume of the Unicode standard was published in October 1991. Now, earlier I mentioned UTF-8, and you may have seen references to that out in the wild or even others like UTF-16. These are different character encodings of the standard. UTF stands for Unicode Transformation Formats. The encodings use different numbers of bytes to represent code points that can be combined into what are called graphemes and grapheme clusters, basically what you think of as a character. This is important For complex character sets especially, things like Chinese or Korea's Hangul, the standard can represent letters, digits, diacritical marks, punctuation marks, and technical symbols, and yes, eventually, emoji. The most commonly used encodings are UTF-8 that we mentioned, UTF-16, and UTF-32. Though you may also see UCS-2, that's an older encoding, not fully supported by Unicode because it doesn't have all the characters. UTF-16 is basically UCS-2 extended to include all the characters. The difference is UCS-2 only uses two bytes for each character, so it uses less space. Uh, That's why some older software uses it, still uses it. UTF-16 continues to use two bytes for all the UCS-2 characters, but then uses four bytes for the rest. Uh, And UTF-32 uses four bytes for any code point, and uh, therefore takes significantly more space. Not as much of a consideration now, but there's a little bit of inertia going on. The most widely encountered format, though, is the previously mentioned UTF-8. It uses one byte for the first 128 code points and up to four bytes for the rest. That means overall it uses less space, and that's why it's used for more than 95% of websites, and in some languages, 100%. So, now you know Unicode. Now you know why it exists. Now you know how it works a little bit. But how did emoji happen? How did did little pictures get into this? I I get like, okay, we're going to create all the scripts for for, uh, Chinese. We're going to create it for for Hangul. We're going to have all the Roman alphabets and the derivations and the Cyrillic alphabet. How do we get crying emoji and poop emoji? Well, we could do a whole episode on emoji and their predecessor emoticons. But the short version related to Unicode is that people tried to create a standard graphical way to represent the winky face of a semicolon and a close parentheses. Uh, yeah, emoticons sort of were the inspiration of like, what if we could do that and make it look better? Microsoft created the famous Wingdings font, which had some smileys and sad faces. Zap Dingbats, you may remember, is another one. That one was actually included in the Unicode standard. Multiple organizations created all kinds of attempts, but the roots of modern emoji are in the sets of pictures included on Japanese cell phone platforms in the late 1990s. They added the innovation of including the pictures in their character encoding sets, which wasn't Unicode standard back then, but it allowed you to type text and your smiley face all in the same line. 
You didn't have to use a separate interface. Emojipedia has done some research into this, and they believe that the Skywalker DP211SW from JPhone in Japan in 1997 may be the first phone with modern emoji. They were black and white, but lending credence to this claim, the set did include the now famous pile of poo. The most influential set of emoji were created by Shigetaka Kurita in 1999 for NTT Docomo. And by the mid-2000s, employees at Google and then Apple requested Unicode include a uniform emoji set in its standard. Now, this is around 2007 when the iPhone comes along and you had to do a little workaround, but you could get emoji from Japan into your iPhone no matter where you were or in the world. And I think that really helped popularize it. In August 2007... Not too long after the release of the iPhone, Mark Davis and his colleagues Kat Mamoy and Marcus Scherer wrote the first draft for consideration of emoji by the Unicode Technical Committee, the UTC, to introduce emojis into the Unicode standards. Now, UTC had previously determined emojis to be like Klingon, out of the scope of Unicode, private registry stuff. But historically, and maybe because of the iPhone, they changed their mind. The efforts widened to include Arab Extended characters, not Arabic, but A-R-I-B, extended characters. Those are used in broadcasting in Japan, as well as consultation from multiple national standards bodies worldwide. They didn't mess around. They got everybody on board and said, okay, do these emojis work in your culture, in your language set? And they determined a set of 722 emojis that were released in 2010 as part of Unicode 6. Unicode defines emoji characters, but remember, the representation, just like a font, can vary between providers. Unicode says what a T should look like, but you can have a serif T, you can have a fancy T, all kinds of T's. Same goes for emoji. Apple has different emojis than Google, etc. Famously, the Google hamburger used to have the cheese on the bottom. That was a big controversy back in the day. But the emojis themselves, what they should represent, is defined by Unicode. So there you go. The work is never done. The Unicode Technical Committee meets quarterly to decide whether new characters, including emoji, will be encoded. Proposals are accepted from any organization or individual, whether they are members of the consortium or not. Uh, Various subcommittees, of course, exist to look through those proposals and recommend them to the full UTC. And technical decisions relating to the actual implementation of the Unicode standard are made by the Unicode Technical Committee. So now I hope you know why text shows up the way it does, who decides whether you get a smiley face or not. In other words, I hope you know a little more about Unicode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.